Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of the Future Tech podcast series. It's me, Charlie Sell, the board director at Major Group, where I get a chance to talk to thought leaders, technology experts, people with a passion in STEM, to find out a bit more about their career history, talk about topics that are passionate to themselves, and that all-important career advice that we share with the STEM Ambassador Association. So I'm really pleased to have Darren Davison with me today. Darren is the VP of Engineering at Sint, and for those um, who may not have heard of Sint before, they're a global research technology provider, a Swedish-based business, but with a global footprint. And uh, they do some pretty impressive stuff when it comes to research and collection of surveys and using tech to make that possible. So Darren, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Charlie. Let's jump straight into it and tell us a bit about your story. I know it's, a, it's quite an interesting one of, of how you got into technology and your career to date. Uh, sure, yeah. I, um, so, so I probably fell into technology in a roundabout uh, route and not through um, what, what is it's probably fairly typical of, um, of people these days. I was always passionate about kind of computers and tech as a kid, uh, even quite a young uh, kid and, and I'm unfortunately old enough that um, when I was a kid, computers weren't the norm, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't everybody that had a had a computer in the house. So I uh, uh, I got one at a, at a fairly young age, and instead of playing games on it, uh, the first thing I did was to unscrew the thing, take it all apart uh, to my parents' horror when they came in and saw it, uh, because I wanted to figure out how it worked. Um, and I didn't want to play games; I wanted to program it. So I was programming uh, from about age. Uh, kind of thirteen, and, and just always had this uh, this interest and this fascination with uh, with computers and, and being able to make uh, make these boxes do things that that you wanted them to do. Um, but as I got a bit older, I um, I kind of I, I took my A levels, and, and due to some problems that I had at the time, I didn't do particularly well in the A levels. Uh, I chose not to go uh, to my eternal regret. Uh, chose not to take up a place that I was offered. Uh, on a on a slightly different course from the one that I wanted at uni, and I kind of fell into working full time uh, at the job that I'd been doing part time, and I did that for a couple of years. Uh, hated every minute of it. Uh, ended up actually making myself quite ill because of uh, because of how much I hated what I was doing. And that was I kind of got a break at another company working in an area that was not IT and not tech, but they were doing some technical stuff. So it was it was sort of a marketing area, but they were doing a lot of product marketing with um, software that was an, an analytics around uh, placing products in stores. Uh, and so I got into that. And then from there, within the company that I was working in, uh, they kind of recognized that I'd got this passion and, and sort of talent for uh, for programming. And, and I'd spoken to two or three people within the business. And, and over time, I, I managed to uh, apply for a role internally that came up and, um, and, and they gave me the job. Uh, in one of their software development teams. So it kind of started there. And then from then on, it's, it's probably been a little bit more normal. I spent a lot of time, a number of years doing um, software development with a kind of a broad range of technologies. Um, I've worked with uh, kind of Delphi and client server programming in the early days, worked with Java, uh, a little bit of front end, but not a lot, uh, some database work, not a lot. So a fairly broad kind of uh, spectrum. I spent a number of years working in consultancy, doing the, the same kind of thing for, for our consulting clients. Uh, and then came sort of back out of consultancy, went into uh, into various businesses and worked as, uh, as an architect for a few years, um, and then moved more into kind of uh, leadership and management roles, which is you know, where I sort of still find myself 
today. But I've always retained that that interest and that passion and, and that desire to be hands-on and technical. Um, the thing that still gets me out of bed in the morning, even though I don't do any real hands-on work anymore, uh, the, the bit that really drives me is is talking to technical teams and, and solving kind of architectural and, and technical problems. Um, but the ability to do that on a bigger scale now with building teams to, to help solve those those bigger problems is, uh, is, is what I'm working on today. Yeah, fantastic. And that's really interesting, um, especially about what you talked about that, you know, from an educational point of view, you know, for, 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 for other reasons, not doing as well in your A-levels and they're not taking that, that, that offer you're given. So you didn't go through that traditional university route yet have still been able to, to, to create a very impressive career within technology and STEM. Yeah. And I what, think, what, I think, I think there's something there, Charlie, that, that's, um, I, I, that's always stayed with me. And, and I've always been really conscious when, when I've been in that position then to hire other people to, to really think about, uh, does, does this role actually require uh, a degree? Does it require somebody to have got the right degree at the right university? Some roles do, absolutely. You can't, you know, in, in technology, there, there are a number of areas you're just going to struggle um, or it's going to be impossible to do them without the right formal education, without the right kind of academic background. But there are many that don't. It might be advantageous to have it, but it's an alternate route uh, to getting in. And because that's the route that I went, I've always been very careful to make sure that when I'm hiring, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, am I actually saying that this is required when it's not? Um, and, and, I, and I've tried to do that throughout uh, throughout my career. We have a couple of people in our in our team today who've uh, who've done a similar thing that have have actually changed careers and they've they've got into tech and they're working with my team, but they started out doing something different. Um, went through university, did did something completely different, totally different careers. Decided they didn't like it. Taught themselves um, uh, enough kind of technology to get to get in the door, and they're both very very successful people in um, in my team. Oh, and that, that that's a brilliant sort of uh, case studies, I guess, isn't it? Because it's when when I speak to a lot of young people, it is always one of their first sort of reservations. Like if they if they don't know either a formal education or b, is it too late to join if they've if they've studied something else and and quite clearly what you're saying is no, you can, you know, as long as you're willing to learn, I guess, and if you're willing to embrace and, and be, you know, I think a bit people also forget about within technology teams from what I've seen, the importance of teamwork. Like, like if you if you can actually work as part of a team and you're solution-minded, you, you can be taught the skills. Would, would you say that's... Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's one of the that's one of the key things. If you if you have the passion for it um, and, and you have you have enough talent and enough drive to go and, and teach yourself uh, skills. Many of the skills are, are transferable. Um, as I said, you're not you're not going to walk straight into a job in uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence because uh, th those kind of things and, and hardware engineering and, and kind of low level. You, you just need more of that that kind of formal education and that background. But there are many many roles today that um, that, that you can get into. Skills are transferable across a number of different technologies, so you can get in um, in the door using one set of technologies. Uh, find that it's not quite right, or that uh, that the company switches and uses something else. You know, technology is just a tool for for solving problems. It's just it's just a way of uh, of achieving an outcome. Um, and, I, and I think the best uh, 
the, the best way to approach it is um, is on that basis that I, I can learn something here today and and yeah that thing might be obsolete in five years that's just just how technology tends to work um, it's one of the great things about it you have to stay current you have to stay uh, up to date um, but you, but you can transfer those skills and you can move move from from one technology uh, to to another if you're applying them in the same way. Yeah, yeah, great. And so moving on, and we had quite an interesting conversation just before starting the podcast and, um, about your, you know, your, you know, your, what was the right words here, the sort of your strong views on the abuse of privacy, um, especially by big tech. And and so you've gone to quite some, some lengths to sort of be able to overcome that. And it'd be great just to hear from yourself a, what's your view on 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 the abuse of privacy in in today's world? And, and I'd love to hear a few stories of what you've done to, to solve it. Um, yeah, sure. I, I do have some um, some views. I, I think the um, I think the level of kind of data collection that is going on today, uh, not just in the big companies that that, that people sort of know about. I, th- I think awareness is is at a level now where uh, where people realise that this is this is going on. Um, Companies like Meta and Google and Amazon, um, Apple to an extent, they are collecting vast amounts of data on us from uh, from the devices uh, in your pocket or in your desktop, um, and they are using it as a tradable commodity, and they're building highly profitable businesses on it. and And I'm not really sure that that many people understand that that is not just going on with those companies, going on with, with many many others as well, and they're the kind of the, the data that is being collected is vast. It's egregious. Um, it is being done in a way that is, I think, underhand in general. Not always. Um, some companies are obviously a lot, uh, a lot better than others. They're more transparent. Um, but I do think it's a problem. I think it's a problem for the industry. I think it's a problem for um, for, for users of technology in general, um, in that they uh, they don't really have any way of avoiding it, and unless you're you know, you're lucky enough to understand the problem to a depth where you can protect yourself from it, and that that is that is only a small percentage of, uh, of the general population that are um, that are being traded in this way. So, so yeah, I have these problems, but but I also um, I have these problems with, uh, with with the way big tech kind of works. But but I also love technology, and and in particular, I outside of work, I really like uh, home automation technology, um, and. And of course, that's where some of this uh, some of this stuff clashes because most of the home automated automation tech today is uh, from Amazon with Echo devices, or it's from uh, Google with uh, Nest or Hive, or, um, um, or or Apple with Siri or uh, Cortana from from Microsoft. And and most home automation and most kind of home tech is based around the technology, but they're all recording. What you do and what you say, and they're sending it to obviously to the to the cloud providers for analysis and for and then they're integrating with other uh, with other plugins and technology in in the cloud. And I don't want kind of any of this for me. So I, I've sort of built using open source and, and freely available kind of tools. I've built both a multi-room audio system and a full home automation kind of technology set for lights and fans, heating system. Um, alarms, CCTV cameras uh, at my home, which is all just fully uh, contained. So there is no connectivity with any kind of tech provider. Uh, it's all just self-contained. I have complete control over, uh, over all of the data. And it's hard and it's not for everybody. And it's something you've got to have a, a kind of a, a passion and, and be willing to, 
to sort of spend the time and, and have the knowledge to be able uh, to do. And I, and I think that's the sad thing about it is it's, it, it's not kind of available for the, for the general masses. It's not somebody, something that somebody can just go and buy off the shelf and choose to have a, a completely private system that they, they install in the home. Uh, and I would, I would really like to see it get to the point where uh, it, it is more generally available and it is something that is you know, less of a, uh, a technical person's hobby and a, and a thing that you have to tinker with and know how to program and know how to set hardware devices up uh, and something that is more commoditized and something that is more off the shelf uh, for, the, you know, for, for, for more people to, to have that available. But, but yeah, passionate about both and, and kind of managed to, uh, to combine them in, uh, in, in, in that way. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I I, I totally support your views, and um, I, I do think more people are now aware of it. But I remember the day when I first found out that, <clears throat> or, or suspected in those days that other devices were being you know were being tracked was that age old example people talk about that you talk about something totally random, and before you know it, it turns up on your social media feeds. Yeah. If ever you want evidence that the what we say. Is being um, is, is being constantly tracked and then yeah. and then stored somewhere. Yeah, and I mean, it, ha it happened to me the other day. I, I, I take a lot of precautions. I, I kind of use VPNs on my on my phone, local VPNs, to stop that kind of tracking activity. But my wife doesn't. Um, and we, we were doing exactly that two days ago. We were in a shop. We were talking about something that we were um, we were thinking of buying. Uh, and the following day, everywhere on her Facebook, um, which I don't use, but everywhere on her Facebook feed adverts for this thing that we've been talking about buying in the shop the day before um yeah i, I personally i find it insidious i think it's um I, I think it's a big problem yeah yeah and and you know the, the companies uh, i think is it cambridge analytics or, or what have you as, as one of the founding ones were caught abusing the, the data mm -hmm. and, and 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 you're right meta facebook at the time um you know sometimes they they live a wild of better to ask for forgiveness and permission isn't it? And they, they, they will, they, they will take the fines because they've made 10 times that in, in profit probably. Right. So yeah, yeah now you'll, uh, I have to say, I do, I, I do agree with your view and, um, but you're also right. If you're not technology minded or, or, you know, you know what it's about, it's, it's almost impossible to protect against yeah, it. it um, because when you talk about things turning mainstream, then are you, Am I right in saying that by, by creating an enclosed um, area, you're not, it's, it's internet linked, but it's not linked to any of the sort of the off-shelf devices that Google or Amazon or others sell? Yeah, that's right. I mean, every, everything is just um, the, the way I've done it. Everything is, uh, is self-contained. Um, I, I think there are ways that you can do it and, and still take advantage of, uh, of cloud technology if, if you know which providers to use and, and you're, uh, you're sort of making a conscious choice to use providers that are more transparent or are more circumspect with the data that they collect or, or are completely private, um, you tend to have to pay for them because they, they've got to make them money somehow. You know, they're, they're trying to run a business. Um, and the reason that you don't pay for Facebook and, uh, and Google and, and a lot of the, the tooling that, that you get from, from Amazon and other big tech is because they're making the profit off, uh, of what they collect from you. That's why the products that you use uh, are free because, or free for you to use as, a, uh, as an end user because uh, you're not the customer. You're the product. You're you're the thing that they're that they're selling. So so you can use those tools for free. If you're working with a business that that doesn't have that model, um, then typically you've got to pay for it. Um, and and there are there are a few. Um, they're just not as mainstream, and they're they're harder to find. But but they are out there. 
I've just chosen to do the whole thing internally. So I, I've bought equipment and um, uh, I run the storage and I run the servers. Um, I build a, I actually build a lot of things on Raspberry Pi devices because they're, um, they're, they're sort of fun to use and they're, they're pretty small and for, for single purpose jobs, they're, they're reasonably adequate and, and actually fairly highly powered. Uh, these days, some of the more recent yeah. ones. So, so that that's the that's the route that I chose. Yeah. Well, if ever you sort of back up from the beginning of the podcast where you talked about your personal interest in tech, and um, and although now as a leader in tech, you you can't as a day job necessarily get involved in the the, the, the core coding. It's so it's so obvious that that it's, it's a key passion. That's that probably well. It's a clear reason why you've you've been able to move into leadership and and thrive in the industry so so moving on to the last and time always flies by when we've got topics that are uh, are pretty unique and and you know the abuse of privacy is such an interesting one that, that we people don't talk about enough i think um but but now moving on to to the career advice so for many of our young people you know who, who are hoping to be inspired by listening to these type of stories and and wanting to work for leaders such as yourself what what are the one or two bits of advice you could give them that, that would help them stand out, get that foot in the door, or, or at least to an interview stage with you or someone in your team? Yeah, I, I think um, I think probably a, a couple of things. The, the, the first one, because it applies to me, and I, and I see that it applies to many other people that, that I've been lucky enough to work with, both now and in the past, uh, is, is do something that you love because you're never going to be as successful and you'll certainly never be as happy uh, doing something because it was what you thought you should do or because that's where you ended up you know, coming out of education because that's what you were interested in at the time and you're not interested in it now. Uh, if you're not doing something that you're passionate about and something that you love, it's always going to be hard. It's always going to be a slog. Do something that you love. Get paid for, for effectively doing your hobby. Um, you might not get paid as much, but you know, you're going to be a lot happier. And by whatever criteria you define your success, whether that's kind of, um, you know, career advancement or whether it's earning a lot of money or whether it's just being really happy, whether it's having the flexibility to do other things in your life, um, doing what you're passionate about and what you love is, is going to get you that success much more quickly than, uh, than, than following some other kind of traditional route. Um, you know, everybody, I think on the same point, you should you should bear in mind that you, know, you work to live. It's it's not it's not the other way around. Success doesn't come from spending fourteen hours a day doing uh, doing anything, particularly if it's not if it's not something you love. But you can get burnt out doing the uh, doing that too. If it's something that you are passionate about, and you're lucky enough to to have that job, you, you found the perfect role in uh, in tech. You still need to you need a life. You need to get away from uh, from the company, from colleagues. Uh, and you need to kind of balance that thing because you'll get burnt out. You just won't realize that you're doing it uh, as, as quickly. Um, so have that balance. Do something that, you, that you're really passionate about. Have that balance and, um, and, and always remember that you're, you're kind of, um, that you're working to live and, and not, not the other way around is, is, is probably what I would say. In terms of getting through the door and, and kind of, um, I, I, think, I think demonstrating that, you, you know, you're, you're keen and you're passionate when, when I'm hiring the things that stand out to me from candidates are uh, have, have they kind of understood what we're what we're looking for and do they have some skill uh, in in that area that's that's the first thing because you're just not you know if your skills aren't relevant um, you're not going to get there uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean 
like a lot of depth of experience in those skills. Uh, it just means that you've got you've got something relevant, you've got something to bring to the party, and then demonstrate that you're you know why it is you want to do it, why are you passionate about it, why have you spent this time uh, working on this on your own, what do you what do you love about it? Can you show that you can work with other people? That's a key thing. There are so few roles now where you can genuinely just be an individual contributor and not have to work with other people and not have to collaborate. If you can't find a way of working with people and you can't find a way of collaborating with, with other people uh, and you can't find a way of having those sort of technical disagreements because another thing about the great thing about tech is there's never one way of solving a problem or, or achieving an outcome. Uh, and everybody has a different opinion, typically, on uh, on what the best way of doing it is. And so we get involved in lots of discussions and, and yes, sometimes kind of uh, arguments, but you find a way of collaborating, you find a way of sort of committing as a team uh, to doing something that, uh, that that moves us forward as a whole. Um, I, I would probably say those are the those those are the key things. If you can demonstrate that, if you if you can show somebody on a on an initial interview, you care about it. You, you love it. Why do you love it? Um, can you work with other people? Um, and have you got obviously the relevant uh, the relevant skills? And then whatever route you came into that, I think you've got a good chance. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think I think all of those points um, are super valid. And um, you know, the work to live. I again, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. That that yes, people should be passionate. And um, yes, you know, if you especially if you're career minded, you. You want to put in as much as you want to get out, you know. But but work to live, you know. It's it's you, you've got to have that balance because burnout can happen at at any stage. Um, and uh, and I think that's really insightful to hear that from leaders, you know, people who, you know, you run tech teams yourself. So to hear it from the top down, that, that that's a mantra, um, is really inspiring. And uh, and I agree with you on the team building as well. You know that that, that willingness to. That to be able to learn how to ha have a difficult conversation and create a, a successful outcome is it's a learning and, and young people especially won't have the life experience so they've got to be open to, to to the learning of it but no Darren thank you I think I think those points were really really astute on uh, uh, for many of our young listeners uh, listening so well look time has flown by as always um, and so um it's time for me to say yeah a, a big big thank you to darren darren thank you so much for being on the podcast yeah absolute pleasure thanks for having me and to our listeners that's another episode of the future tech podcast um it's shared on our webpage arrows group forward slash podcast as well as with the stem ambassador association um so thanks you to everyone who is uh listening on the recording and this is another episode of future tech